You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Lucy Kellison. And I'm Victoria Deckard. This is WFHB Local News for Tuesday, March 28, 2023. Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Ruth Flegman reported on a protest and march criticizing Indiana University's response to the recent acts of discrimination. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. listening to the WFHB Local News. It's our spring fun drive here at WFHB, and we need your support to keep local independent journalism alive and well on the airways. WFHB is a training ground for community members of South Central Indiana to gain experience in learning how to produce local news. Community radio is a rare gem, and we are proud to be a community radio station with a vibrant news department, but it costs money to produce a daily local newscast. We need your support in order to keep the WFHB local news up and running throughout the week. If you support this kind of independent journalism, please consider donating during tonight's show. We need to raise $200 during this very program. That goal happens by one donation at a time. So please, give us a call at 812-323-1200. Again, that's 812-323-1200. You can also visit our website at wfhb.org to make a safe and secure donation through our website. Thank you for supporting your community radio station, WFHB. On March 23rd, the Monroe County Commissioners heard from Director of the Planning Department, Jackie Nestor-Jellen. She shared with the commissioner, she shared with the commissioners that they will be holding focus group meetings for the county development ordinance. Good morning, commissioners. I do have one update for you, and that's in regards to our uh, focus group meetings that we're going to be hosting for the county development ordinance tomorrow evening. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen to uh, review the MonroeCDO.com website, which is a great resource for anyone wanting to get the latest updates on the county development ordinance. Um, So as I stated, we'll be having uh, three different focus groups tomorrow evening at 5.30 p.m. via Zoom only. So there'll be uh, three groups that you may join, one of three, since they'll be held concurrently. The first group will be the economic development group. The environmental review group will be the second group. And then the construction review will be the third group. 
Um, we have included now links to the PowerPoint presentations that staff will go over in the beginning. And then there'll also be guided questions for you uh, to look at under these PowerPoints. So I clicked on each one of these just as an example. It'll bring you to the document center. Go ahead and open that up and you may look at these to get an idea of which, which focus group might be um, best fitting for what you're wanting to get out of the sessions. There's also the Zoom links directly below so that you do not have to RSVP ahead of time. You can just go ahead and click the link to the group that you would like to join. Just make sure that you're going to the right Zoom room uh, for the group that you would like to attend. Um, following these meetings, we will go ahead and post the recordings of these Zooms, uh, Zoom meetings in the, um, on the website so that if you wanted to attend multiple meetings or understand what was discussed, you'll have an opportunity to review that at a later time. So um, that's all I have. And if you have any questions, I'd be glad to answer that for you. Highway Director Lisa Ridge asked the commissioners to approve a change order for the sample road project. Ridge explained that they tested the soil and found they needed to switch from lime to cement for stabilization. This change order was to cover the cost to switch from lime to cement for stabilization. Um, after the tests were performed on site, it was discovered that the native soils were not suitable for the lime stabilization would require cement to adequately stabilize the subgrade. The item is considered a participating item for reimbursement of 80%, so the local cost is 20% of the overall cost, which would be $25,414.28. Commissioner Julie Thomas asked Ridge for an update on the construction at Sample East and Sample Woods Roads and shared she has received calls from residents asking about when the construction is expected to be finished by. Ridge responded, uh, As soon as the plant opens, which we anticipate possibly March 27th, um, we anticipate them getting in there. We're uh, finishing up some of the um, curb guttering pipes, driveway approaches, then they will come in, put in the final layer of asphalt. They will stripe the road, finish the signage, and the work will do the final walkthroughs. Um, we hope to be finished with the project maybe mid-May mm -hmm. um, and, and be out of the way out there. So uh, we'll probably be bringing up some final um, change orders. There will be some credits, um, some add-ons sure. uh, to go through and kind of finalize this. So we'll be out of there in the next couple months. The commissioners approved the change order unanimously. The next Monroe County Commissioners meeting will be held on March 29th. Hello, thank you for listening to the WFHB Local News. I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider, and I have with me here in the live air room, Ruth Flegman, a news correspondent and an anchor here. Ruth, can you tell our listeners, how you got involved here at the WFHB Data Local News. Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Ruth Flegman. Um, I'm an anchor here. And I study, I'm an exchange student at IU University, and I found WFHB, I found WFHB um, at a fair that was held at IU. Um, and I got talking to Noelle and Cade, um, and it sounded like a really great opportunity, and everyone was very welcoming. And I was quickly a part of the news team. You've been doing an amazing job here, and we're so glad to have you. And you started out really just as an anchor, 
And then you ended up doing this feature that we are airing again today because it was so amazing and we want our listeners to hear it again. Um, How did you decide to kind of get into that? Yeah, so I had been doing the news for about 10 months uh, when I, or maybe less, when I did the um, report. And really, I think I had always been looking at Instagram and following the kind of political side of what was going on in Bloomington. But as I was a part of the news and seeing it from that perspective, um, it changed the way that I approached these stories. And so I was just going on my phone and saw this protest, um, you know, against uh, discrimination against trans people. And I just thought, I have an opportunity to bring this to a place that I know respects the community and respects what's important to us. So I brought it up with um, Kay, the news director, and he was really passionate. And then we took it from there and ended up going and reporting. Um, and it was just really amazing to feel that as a member of a community and a community radio, that what the community cares about is really valued at WFHB. Well, we are so thankful for you. And we're also thankful to our listeners for supporting us because without you, we wouldn't be able to have this place where people can get all this experience reporting and um, also a great place to listen to the news. So we also want to thank Linda, who called and donated and said that she wants to support the local news. So thank you, Linda. And if you're listening and you want to donate, please, you can call 812. blanking on the spot you can call us or go online at wfhb.org all right thanks for listening in today's feature report wfhb correspondent ruth flegman reported on a protest in march criticizing indiana university's response to recent acts of discrimination flegman has more On February 2nd, 2023, protesters gathered for a march and town hall in Bloomington to demonstrate against Indiana University's response to recent acts of discrimination. On January 14th, IU student Declan Farley posted a TikTok about harassment he faced on the floor of his dorm, which received over 2 million views. Here's the audio from the TikTok. We would like to give a trigger warning that this audio mentions suicide. My name is Declan Farley, and I am a trans queer student at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Over the past five months, I have experienced extreme harassment on the floor of my dorm. It started with banging on my door and running away, then turned into yelling slurs outside of my door. Not only that, but they have dumped food and put trash outside of my door. Most recently, I witnessed someone licking the outside of my door while I was inside. When the most recent incident happened, I gave a description of the people involved immediately after, and no action was taken. This harassment has caused an extreme amount of stress and an emotional toll on me. Now, because of this and other stressors, I attempted to take my own life last semester. I am making this TikTok to spread awareness about the homophobia and transphobia on IU's campus. IU prides themselves on being a safe and open space for queer students, yet ignores issues like these. I hope you will help me spread awareness and demand that IU takes accountability for their actions and the actions of their students and works to protect students like me. After the protest, Farley expressed his solidarity for other queer people in Bloomington facing oppression and discussed his plans for future action. 
I just want to say that, you know, a couple things, you know, one, if you're queer in Bloomington or anywhere, just know that, you know, I want to be a voice for you and I have tons of people that also want to be a voice for you and you can always reach out to me and I will try and, you know, share your story and really, you know, help you, support you because right now I have a voice, but it's like I said, it's not just for myself. And then also that the work here is definitely not done. We're going to be starting petitions. And if things don't happen, we're going to protest again. We're just going to not stop until things are done. So definitely stay tuned. Farley referred to an incident that took place on January 11th, in which an 18-year-old Asian student was the victim of an anti-Asian stabbing on a bus. Farley expressed his disappointment with the way that Indiana University's administration handled his situation. And there are other things that are happening on campus. So, you know, and on and off campus, especially like the st Asian student being stabbed, you know, and other students on campus that shared their stories tonight, I wanted to give them a chance to speak because the school will not give them a chance to even speak. Or, you know, they post it online, it doesn't get anything. Luckily, mine did, but I don't want to just use my voice for myself. It's, it's definitely for everyone else as well. So that's why we kind of thought about the protest as being, you know, march, show everyone we're here, and then allow people to share their stories. Amazing. Yeah, and so now that um, we've kind of heard all the stories, how are you feeling now at the end of this evening, reflecting back on what we've just heard? Oh, yeah, no, I definitely feel really proud of everyone that came up and, you know, a little proud of myself for sure because it's been a pretty stressful couple weeks. So I definitely feel proud that we put this together. Other protesters also discussed experience of racist anti-Asian hate in Bloomington. Diona an Asian student at IU spoke about the racism she experienced in her sophomore year at Bloomington High School North. She described a supply teacher who constantly humiliated her, demeaned her, and gave her white classmates preferential treatment. Diona discussed the aftermath that experiencing this racism caused her. After that semester, I got my teacher back, but basically, obviously, she was being very like mean and racist towards me and targeting me a lot. And um, throughout that year, I didn't really get a lot of support, so I didn't really talk about it, and I had to become silenced from it. And it was not until um, senior year of high school we got a new principal, and I was finally able to like talk about it and reach out to my new principal. And obviously, you think when you talk about someone who is racist and is a teacher at an institution that is supposed to be accepting about everybody, you'd think they would do something about it. Um, it was like three months of fighting and basically she just got a slap on her wrist. They talked to her and, you know, she did the whole, uh, you know, white woman victim thing and was saying, like, I can't believe this is going on, like... A freshman student at IU named Ella spoke at the town hall describing the homophobic harassment she received at McNutt's residence hall. Um, my girlfriend and I returned to my dorm after being with friends. Sarah made eye contact with me from down the hall. There was pounding on the door. It was loud enough that it rattled the wall, the door, the door frame, and the door was being pounded so violently that it looked like the door was about to be forced open, even though it was locked. Um, I checked the peephole and saw the five boys. I recognized some of them as boys on my floor, the same ones that were friends with Sarah, and the same ones that asserted that he would sleep with me by the end of the month. They were pounding their fists in cardboard boxes against my door. I heard laughter from the other end of the hall. They did not violently pound on anyone else's door. They left the destroyed cardboard boxes on the ground outside my door, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they did this immediately after finding out that I was gay. Um, 
My girlfriend and I was terrified. We couldn't leave the dorm the rest of the night, and she decided that she no longer felt safe visiting me at IU. Um, on August 20th, I decided to file a bias incident report and request to be moved. I was told that my bias incident report was lost two different times. Um, I didn't get moved out until 22 days later. So that was 22 days where my roommate had to walk me to the bathroom. I was scared to leave my door. I left my residence hall whenever I could and tried to be as far away as possible. Local resident and activist Jada B said that hate is not new in Bloomington. She noted that the problems facing the community are systemic and need to be dealt with as such. One of the things I dislike a lot about the transitory nature of Bloomington, Indiana, uh, meaning that we have a lot of influx of students and they leave, they come here, they're here for four years maybe, and they leave and they go on, is that the history doesn't get transmitted to you. I use not going to give you a welcome packet that says, here are all the hate crimes that we've had on our campus because they want to present this as a safe and open campus. And for many students, it can and is a safe and open campus. But when you add your diversity level on top of that, things get complicated. When we add our intersecting ideologies and identities into that, things get complicated. Um, and this is a campus that has had uh, massive shootings. This is a campus who has had football players murdered by the local PD. This is a campus that has active white supremacy groups. This is a campus and town that has ignored the pleas of black folks in our community for years and years and years. Lexi Sacco, an IU student from Indianapolis studying psychology, explained why she attended the protest and march. Um, I really just, I saw Declan's TikTok, of course, and um, I really was just disgusted by IU's uh, way of handling the situation, and I knew that there, that something needed to happen. Sacco outlined what this protest means to her. She elaborated on what she hopes to see as a result of the demonstration. Um, to me, it means that community is a lot stronger um, than just administration. Like, we can come together and make change. We don't need people to be telling us what to do. And we can really show people, like, this is what needs to be happening, and hopefully that people will listen. Um, I'm hoping that they, that administration would take things more seriously and not just brush it under the rug and act like it's not happening, because it's happening, and they really need to open their eyes and see that it is. She also touched on what local residents can do to fight back against hate and discrimination. I think being educated more on the topics and um, just how to treat people fairly, because I know that a lot of people grew up with parents who are homophobic or transphobic or racist or whatever, and I really think that we need to relearn our values and be our own person and really just help other people. For WFHB, I'm Ruth Flegman. Good afternoon. This is WFHB News Director Cade Young. And I'm Ruth Flegman. Absolutely. Now, Ruth, um, we just finished listening to this very heavy feature that we did together, but mostly you did yourself. I thought you did such a wonderful job. You know, Noelle and you were chatting about how you went from sort of anchoring to doing some reporting, right? And yeah. I thought you just did such a wonderful job when you... Um, you know, you were asking questions and, you know, doing that reporting work. I thought you were such a natural. How was that experience for you? 
thank you very much. And don't downplay your role. <laughs> right. But right. Um, yeah, no, it was just really amazing. Um, and I think especially as a queer person in Bloomington, it was such a privilege to be able to present an issue that affects me and so many others in a way that we really feel does justice to it. I think sometimes you can sanitize a news story and I think we did a really good job of humanizing it um, and yeah, just paying tribute to the people who were important in that issue. Absolutely. And I, I thought one powerful thing about that story was that, you know, there's something um, one of uh, the previous news directors, Chad Carruthers, had told me uh, when I first started and he was like, there's nothing more powerful than lending out the microphone to someone and letting them speak for themselves, letting mm -hmm. them speak their truth. I think that you did such a wonderful job at just sort of directing the mic to folks and letting them speak their truth. I think there's so much power in that. Thank you. I have a very good mentor. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you. Um, now, you are from the UK, right, Ruth? Yes. And you have come to Indiana by way across the pond. Um, so what, what has that experience been like for you to come here and get involved in radio and be in Bloomington, uh, you know, being from the UK? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, when I first started at WFHB, I didn't really know anything about Indiana or Bloomington. And so um, it's just been really nice to have a place that's grounded me in the community I'm living in. I think a lot of students here have the experience of not connecting with people who actually live here and are part of the like permanent community. And and so that's been really amazing. And and yeah, to see what kind of what kind of news is important to the people in Monroe County. Absolutely. And that's what community radio is all about, is sort of building that community and letting people, you know, get involved with uh, community radio, with journalism. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think it's a really special thing. And in light of our spring fund drive, we need your support to be able to provide this training ground, the sense of community for volunteers here in Bloomington, Monroe County and South Central Indiana as a whole. And so with that, we are asking for your support for the WFHB Local News. We need to raise $200 during this program. I know that's a big goal, but we're about $25 of the way there. And we just need your support. And we, we hope to get some, some phone calls and definitely um, online. You can donate online. So you can give us a call at 812-323-1200. You can also visit wfhb.org. Any amount helps. We really appreciate you, the listener. Um, you know, we really couldn't do it without you. And Ruth, do you have anything to add? No, if you want to hear more British accents on the radio, you should call right now. Yes, right now. yes. If you call right now, Ruth, for every donation. What did you say you were before? Oh, yeah. If anyone calls now, I will say some quintessential British phrases for you yes. on the radio. You can request anything. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, give us a call. Visit our website, um, wfhb.org. Make a donation today. Thank you for your time and thank you for supporting WFHB Community Radio. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana 
and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. Today's featured pet is one we've featured before, and she still needs our help. Sierra is a very cuddly and goofy dog who is about four years old. Although she spends most of her time in a foster home, she's been waiting for her forever home for more than a year. She loves her people, snoozing in the sun, and relaxing on couches. She is an expert at catching a bouncing tennis ball and taking treats gently. Sierra knows just what to do when she hears outside and always goes potty in the yard. She does not do well with other animals and can be nervous of new people, especially men. If you're looking to have a solo dog and willing to spend some time letting them warm up to you, apply to meet Sierra today. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. On today's episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, we had the chance to speak with our friends at our local Bloomington Animal Shelter. Recently, shelter staff, with community help, seized over 50 dogs from an animal hoarding situation. I am Emily Hur, the Outreach and Behavior Coordinator for the Bloomington Animal Shelter. Um, I oversee all of our public engagement opportunities, our public relationships, education, and I also provide behavior support for animals in the community and in the shelter. We received a concern from a member of the public about a puppy that she had purchased from this um, breeder. And we followed up with the breeder and what we found was a very significant number of animals living in one home. When you receive a call like that and um, investigate, what are the next steps after you realize that there may be too many animals in one place? Um, The next steps are to determine um, if this person had an appropriate breeding license, which they did not. Um, Even if they did, the conditions of the animals did warrant us to pursue um, removing them due to neglect. And I know this is not just a one person effort. So who's usually on the scene for a case like this? Um, In this scenario, we did have to call in multiple agencies because it was simply just too much for our officers to handle on their own. Um, So Bloomington Animal Control led the investigation, and then we had the assistance from Bloomington Police Department and the animal management officers from the Sheriff's Department were also there helping remove animals. And once you've gotten the animals out of this situation, I know the shelter has really been at capacity. So what do you do to try to find placement for all of these critters? Um, It was very challenging, but we luckily have good relationships with other organizations that are nearby. So we were able to place 12 dogs between Monroe County Humane Association and um, Brown County Humane Society. Luckily for us, almost 30 of the dogs were small puppies. So when it came to housing, we were able to 
put multiple animals in one location um, simply because they were so small. Um, but we were also able to get a lot of animals that were already in our care into foster homes. So our community really stepped up and brought animals into their homes and helped to alleviate some of that space stress we were feeling at the shelter. Emily also had this important message to share and offered a few ways the public can help. I would really like people to know that if you see something that doesn't feel right, even if it's just a feeling that something might not be right, to reach out to us as soon as you can. You know, it it just starts with the conversation and we go from there. And I also want to remind people that people get into these situations um, primarily because of mental health and they are still human and it is unfair to put them in a negative light. And, you know, even though they've made some mistakes, it's still important to be kind. Right now, monetary donations are the best way to help. A lot of these animals did come to us with um, medical needs. So right now we're working on addressing those needs. So financially helping us would be the best way to, to make an impact. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB. Produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.